welcome to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and sustaining community for everyone at Thompson Rivers University. I'm your host, Brenna Clark-Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning, Technology, and Innovation. We're housed within open learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tkumloops Te Sequetum within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetum Ulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. And today's episode is about technical difficulties. It wasn't about technical difficulties until I had to re-record the episode. Ah, let's get into it. So it's it's Friday morning. It's it's Good Friday, in fact, because Lord knows I'm never like ahead of schedule with the podcast. And um, it's the this episode should come out this weekend, and it will because everything always happens eventually. But my husband doesn't have Good Friday off, so he's working. The Groot is happily watching his cartoons in the other room, and I set aside half an hour to record the introductory essay, make sure everything was tidy, and then I was going to come back and do the audio editing later. I recorded. I exported. I played. And nothing. So I figured I screwed something up. Okay, so I recorded. I exported. I played. And nothing. Sometimes when you're someone who works with technology all the time, you do tend to get into a headspace of just expecting it to work, right? You stop doing all the kinds of little checks and balances that would, you know, keep things rolling properly. And I think these kinds of experiences are important, (laughs) not just because they are humbling and humanizing, and we could all use another dose of that once in a while, but more because, you know, As someone who supports users of technology, it's really important that I be reminded of how flipping demoralizing it is when technology doesn't work and you can't figure out why. I've been freaking around with this thing since, oh, I don't know, at 9.30 this morning and it's 10.30 now and no, it's not, it's 10.45 and I only just figured out that the problem was that the mic cable had come unseated. Not completely unseated, because the lights were still on, everything still looked right, but unseated enough that the audio wasn't being captured properly. So I've got all these corrupted transcription files, and I've got all these audio files that won't play, and I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, this is uh, this is what happens when you don't double check. See, if I was teaching you how to podcast, I would go through the motions of showing you how to check every single time that everything is plugged in to do an audio test every time to not just bluster into your recording. Do I take my own advice? Do I heck as like? It's a good reminder that the way we feel when technology fails on us, particularly when we are time pressured, which who amongst us isn't, it's, um, I don't know, the only word for it is demoralizing, right? Like I just, I was like, well, I guess there's no podcast this week. (laughs) I can't, I can't be doing with this frustration. No podcast this week. Obviously I have played through the pain and you know, the intro essay was, well, there was nothing to write home about anyway. It's better, I think, (laughs) to spend this humanizing moment reflecting on why we should always go through those introductory check steps every time, no matter what. 
you know, one of these days, something is going to happen smoothly in my world. And when it does, I'm going to do a whole podcast about that. I promise. It's probably fitting <laughs> that I am interviewing Ahmed Mohammed today, and I am so excited to share our conversation with you. Ahmed is here to talk about the software engineering program, which is graduating its first cohort of students this year. And listening to his passion for the subject matter, his excitement for the discipline, and his sense of what this program offers, not just to our students, but to the community as a whole, well, I found the whole conversation really inspiring. Listening back to it before I came back to re-edit this again <laughs> was a reminder that uh, I don't actually hate technology. Just I just hate it when it doesn't work perfectly for me every time. Anyway, I'm going to let Ava take it from here. Hey, I am here today with Ahmad Mohammed, who is going to talk to us a little bit about the Bachelor of Engineering in Software Engineering, which is a new program here at TRU. But I wanted to start by inviting Ahmad to introduce himself and then maybe let us know where people might have seen you around campus or how long you've been at TRU, that kind of thing. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Ahmad Mohammed. I am an assistant teaching professor uh, with the Department of Engineering at TRU. The program is software engineering. Also, I'm a junkie assistant professor at the University of Calgary. Here at TRU, we have the uh, software engineering program started since uh, five years ago, and we have our first uh, graduated student cohort this uh, June. Uh, they already secured their job uh, through wonderful intern and co they went through, and I invite everyone to come and talk to us about the software engineering program. Oh, this is fantastic. So the first cohort is graduating. That's amazing. How many students uh, came through the program? Uh, right now, in the in the graduating cohort, we have five students because we start very light uh, uh, five years ago, but uh, our current fall uh, may go up to 35, so seats are being booked very quickly, and uh, I really encourage everyone who's interested in this program to go ahead and applaud. Oh, that's fantastic. What was the impetus for developing this software engineering program at TRU? Well, we definitely want the engineering society to develop and we want to engage students in the technology in general. And one of the hot topics and the in high demand jobs at the moment is software engineering. Software engineer can work everywhere. They can work in startup companies, they can work in established company. So we thought at TRU it, it might be a very good chance for the economy for the community to develop this program and to provide a wonderful experience to our students and equip them with the state-of-the-art tools and techniques that can help them find their jobs in the software engineering industry. We train them to become a professional problem solvers in terms of building software and apps that can be used on a regularly basis. Oh, so this is our first engineering degree program, right? We have yeah. students who take engineering courses and transfer, but this is our first sort of homegrown degree program is that right yeah that's that's correct uh, we had we have and we still have the uh transfer programs since a while ago but this is the first time at tru to have an engineering department and the uh, software engineering programs that train students to become professional problem solver in the software industry they can become solution architect to design the software solution itself they can become a software quality assurance security analyst artificial intelligence and machine learning engineers they can work in every single industry regardless 
regardless of the scope of the industry. They are very supportive to the current initiative that Canada adopted to empower engineering in the society and to become a self-sustained industrial country in the near future. And you said we've got five students graduating and they're all going into employment positions. Is that right? Yeah. Um, uh, most of them already secure jobs, they already signed contract, and they just cannot wait till the graduation day so they can get the uh, contract. The other part of them still looking, but uh, their future is, is very bright and they really good student. And I believe once they graduate, they will land their first job within a month or two of doing search. So, but, uh, but definitely some of them already secure the jobs and the other waiting for, for graduation. Oh, that's fantastic. And I noticed it's a five-year program and it sounds like you've really built sort of co-op and internship into the program itself is that right yeah, actually, after the third year, there is a one year, one academic year of mandatory co-op. They need to get engaged with the industry outside the university restrictions. They need to get out and work with professional engineers for entire academic year to learn from them in the industry and also to gain the professional engineering experience. This is this will count towards their license. So after three years, they can go and write their professional practice exam so uh, they can get their professional engineering license. And and start to be completely independent and provide service to the public on their own. So I guess the students who are graduating this year, they must have been trying to do that that co-op term during COVID. Is that right? During the sort of when things were shut down, did that impact their ability to find co-op employment at all? Well, definitely, it's it's a challenging time for everyone, even to find uh, uh, grocery online during yes, that's the COVID. True. Yeah. So, but but we have here in campus, we have a, a co-op office and co-op officers to help students and match them with their industry. And and due to the nature of our profession, that you can design and implement the software remotely. So most of our students get some part of their intern through online engagement with the industry, and the others went through in person. But yeah, COVID had some restriction, but we try to ease this restriction by connecting them to industry early as possible in the program. Actually, from the second year, the co-op officers start looking at their CV, start connecting them with industry partners, making sure that the industry partners are professional engineers so they can acquire the one year of professional engineering experience. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, we are going to more in person. We don't have this issue anymore. And students actually can find a lot of uh, co-op out there. And our cohort that is ready for co-op, I believe most of them already land their co-op and uh, they're just waiting to uh, their third year to complete the exams and then they will go on, on their co-op. Oh, see, that's fantastic. And I'm guessing, you know, as the program grows, particularly for local industry, it must be great to have so many, so many willing, eager, budding software engineers in the area as yeah. work really changes, right? You mentioned AI and machine learning, like these, these fields, you know, I work in educational technology, so they're certainly not untouched by, by those concepts. And it, it seems like a, a really great boon to the local economy to have growth in this program too, I would imagine. 
Yeah, that's that's completely true. Actually, part of the curriculum is highly aligned with industrial goals and demands. So most of the co-op students, they come back with ideas from industry for their fourth year project. And also they come with, uh, with a request for a specific skills. So we comprehend the skills and this request, and we reflect back on our curriculum to prepare them for the industry. And actually, I'm, I'm highly engaged with many industrial projects and many industrial partners. And Every now and then, and on high frequency, I receive job requests and they ask me if I can find a candidate or two for them. Sometimes they ask for four candidates, but unfortunately, since we, we have only five students and the, uh, the demands are high and they're still on their exam time, we, we cannot find our uh, the, the right candidate at the moment. That's why we go back to the curriculum and we try to engage students and we motivate students to join us. So hopefully in the next two or three years, we really will have a high volume of uh, graduates that can fulfill the gap. What are the requirements for the um, Bachelor of Engineering program? I noticed it's a selective admission process, I would imagine, yeah? Yeah, uh, actually, the, the requirements are already boosted on our website. There's a requirement for chemistry and physics and math uh, and pre-calculus. Uh, and those are uh, uh, around 70% or 67%. It's not really mu- uh, uh, much on, on, on high demand because we understand our students, our high school students, still to learn a lot of stuff. And we were doing this in the first year. So in the first year, we build on what they have on the high school curriculum. We give them some uh, stuff related to calculus, physics, chemistry, to reinforce the concepts that they already studied, and we increase their level of competency in these courses and prepare them for the next year. So uh, I believe it is uh, within range, and uh, most of the students can achieve that. The only thing that I see is that, that most people do not know about us, and we reach out for high school many times, and they still do not know about us. We need to have a sustainable flow from high school students into our uh, university, and we teach and educate them about uh, our program because it's a very interesting program. Right now, we have people coming to us from Alberta, from uh, Saskatchewan, Regina, from uh, Ontario. A lot of people heard about the program and they're really willing to come and join us uh, simply because we are a small cohort. And with a small cohort, we devote all of the resources to the students. So we are the faculty member teaching the lectures and also we're teaching the uh, labs and we are here on the remaining time to support them as a, in one-on-one fashion. So really, really didn't like uh, the efforts that we, we do to increase their competency to find a job. Yeah, there's a lot of hands-on time with the students and it sounds like you must be pretty passionate about teaching software engineering to, to you know, do this kind of program development and, and really connect with students in such small cohort basis, hey? Yeah, actually I feel that it is in my DNA. I, uh, every now and then I receive job offer from industry and actually I, I turn those down because simply I like to be around young minds. There, are, there is a lot of energy, positive energy going around here and we, this, this is actually something uh, I really like and they cannot have enough. Uh, teaching software engineering is not only about the courses, the materials, all about ourselves. We need to understand ourselves, our environment, uh, our students to put all this together into a wonderful curriculum that reinforce the concept that we, uh, as a software engineer, we 
we are very important to this society. And this is the Canadian society is waiting for us uh, to make things different uh, for them, to make sure that uh, uh, they, they are really in, in, in a good hands. Uh, I'll give you an example. There is a high demand now for family doctors, and there is no way to serve all this demand. That's why we employ machine learning and data mining to build a medical bot uh, or a chatbot that can listen to you, that can refer you to a physician. This will reduce the burden on the Canadian healthcare system, but this all requires a lot of investment in software engineering. And of course, uh, on the supporting uh, staff for the software engineering, we need to learn about a lot of uh, material related to artificial intelligence, software development, uh, software testing, uh, software security. So really, people here enjoy the curriculum. Although it seems a little bit in demanding material, demanding uh, uh, profession, but actually I refer to it it's just a profession that uh, support all other professions. That's why it, it, it requires a little bit of more effort. I don't want to call it difficult. It's not difficult. Since I did it and I and I had three degrees in engineering, all of them in software engineering, although my first one was in system and biomedical engineering, but it is nothing but writing software for biomedical equipment. Um, so just having this little bit more effort is our concept here, our citizen concept. They are really under a lot of work, but they adapt the concept of, I can do a little bit more. I can learn a little, a little bit more. And their marks, their grade is actually great. Uh, most of them are the, in the A plus phase, uh, and they, uh, they also have some time for themselves. They know how to do time management. This curriculum is beautiful, and it was handcrafted literally to suit the demands out there. Well, I was just about to ask you what the student satisfaction has been like in these first few years of the program. Students, I mean, it's growing, so it sounds like it has a good reputation. Well, the first year students actually have some transition. This transition from high school to university level is quite shocking. You know, it's instead of having your teacher just asking you every minute to do something or don't do something, here we learn them to become more independent because the workplace ASICs require people to become more independent and, and and do things on their own. This is a little bit uh, choking for them, but their degree of satisfaction growing while they go in the program, and this is what we want. Uh, so most people uh, uh, rate uh, professors here to be uh, one of the top uh, professors at the university, and they really like the engagement, they, they really like the efforts that we do for them, and they really like the preparation, and how the preparation starts step by step and gradually till we uh, till they are graduate, we told we we told them at the beginning, you're here to become our future colleague. We do not we do not consider you student anymore. You are in a training program. You're gonna be trained in a professional way. You have some stuff to take care of yourself. We here to transfer the knowledge from our side, from the professor side to the student side. So they like this engagement and they become passionate about what we're doing. Every single professor here is really passionate about his profession, his uh, professionality and ASICs. And we try to show this through examples, through a lot of projects, through a lot of lab exercises, and also through a lot of theory. So students are engaged and their satisfaction is growing in very, very uh, good and satisfactory manner for us. And you were saying earlier that they do an independent study project in their fourth year, is that correct? Actually, uh, during their co-op, we advise them 
uh, to come up with a, a project idea from the industry and bring it into their fourth year capstone project. And they do this uh, completely on their own. We just involve to make sure that they are on the right direction. We try to keep them within the lane of the project requirement. But other than that, they are really free to explore whatever they want, to implement it in the way they like. But we try to keep all the technical skills that we deliver to them intact within the project. So they utilize what we explain to them. We do it in a professional way. We review their work. We give them comments. Uh, eventually, again, they learn as if it is their uh, everyday work. Uh, so they have a chance to look at uh, the requirement, to analyze the requirement, to come up with a design, detailed design, and eventually implement and test and deploy. This all the full cycle of the software development. And they went and they go through it during the project. And the project is eight months. So they have a good chance to work together, simulate the workplace environment. And even we ask them to, to deploy this into uh, on the employer side and they collect feedback from the employer. So literally this experience uh, is once a life because it's only one time uh, capstone project and they enjoy it uh, very much. Can you share some of the topics that students have have pursued as part of that work? Yeah, actually they build an object recognition system to identify the quality of uh, some wood board. And this is uh, actually uh, part of the requirement of uh, uh, some uh, company in in um, Salmon Arb and students and deploying this uh, there at the moment. Oh, that's fantastic! That's like that's a real world project, all right? Yeah, exactly. We mandate that the project is uh, specific to a specific industry, and this is an industrial idea, so we can deploy it out there. Is there anything you'd want the university community to know about the program? Whether it's you know helping to identify possible students or sharing news about the program? Is there anything you think people don't know about the Bachelor of Engineering and Software Engineering that you wish they did? Well, I want to tell them that software engineering is everywhere. We're doing software engineering uh, almost uh, every second. Uh, For example, right now we're doing software engineering. Imagine that this uh, uh, software that we communicate through are not there. Uh, how can we perform this uh, uh, communication? Somebody said, okay, maybe we just build a prototype. Yeah, prototype can work, but it will not work every time. It will not work if somebody join us at the moment. A software system is a system designed according to a requirement, and it is meant to stay there forever. And people use it on a regular basis, every day. This become part of your everyday activity. You use, for example, Google Map every second to understand where you are, how to go from point A to point B. You use tracking system to track uh, starting your dog, you track your vehicle. This is software engineering. We here in the software engineering bring all the skills that is required to build a software system. This is include engineering skills to design system and analyze system, computer science and algorithmic skills, and also some mathematical and statistic skills. So imagine all these skills are in your toolbox. Your probability, your chance to get a job compared to any other graduate is at least three times because most of other graduates focus on one dimension. So is there people working only in engineering, people working only uh, to build the prototype in computer science, people know how to do some mathematical manipulation of some phenomenon. But software engineer is a kind of multidisciplinary field 
require engineering principle, computer science principle, and mass, mass and, and statistical principle. It only requires a little bit of more effort. And at the end of the day, people will get at least double the salary of any other graduate. And they will have a chance to get a BNG license, professional engineering license, that will double their salary because they become independent and they can provide, uh, provide service to the public in an independent way. I want people to understand software engineering is a profession that's going to last. Professions that are that is evolving in a very high rate. That even I'll give you an example. We have about a hundred university in Canada, and suppose that all of them produce software engineers. All of them have software engineering program. By 2025, we'll be in short of 150,000 software engineering professionals to fill positions out there. This is only in Canada. Imagine in the states. Imagine in the in Europe. Everywhere else in the in the world. So this is a profession where students need to invest time and effort. And believe me, since I did it, everybody can do it. Uh, I came from very, very uh, uh, different culture. I came from uh, different disciplines and I earned two degrees in software engineering and uh, I, I cannot have enough actually. That's why I'm here at the university, try to educate other students uh, and I hope they take this advantage. This is perhaps once a life where we have a small cohort, and but we are growing very fast. So I want the student to join us, learn about software engineering and become professional engineers one day. You make it sound very dynamic and very engaging, I have to tell you. Thank you so much. I, I This is my profession. This is in my blood and my DNA. That's so why I really, I, I, I can talk about it 24-7. And uh, again, I, I, w I wouldn't be able to describe uh, the whole situation. But how software engineer changed my life? It, it is amazing. I completed my first degree in 1991. And I started my second degree in 2012 here at the University of Calgary. And I did it my master in a year, my PhD in less than three years, all in software engineering. And I really want to do more. But actually, there is no more degrees out there. <laughs> That's why I'm in the university, try to talk to students, try to motivate them to join the industry. I want more. I want more of this. And I hope one day I, I should be able to guide many students for their professional engineering experience. I have a question that's really just mostly personal interest. My primary research area is ethics of how educational technologies are applied and used. And so I'm always curious about what students learn when they're learning sort of the like the nuts and bolts and implementation and creation of these yeah. kinds of tools that go on to be implemented. I'm always just curious about whether is there a component where they learn sort of like professional standards and ethics as part of their their course requirements in a degree like this? Yeah, actually, in the first year, we have to design course, engineering design principle. Part of the engineering design principle is to explain to them how to become a professional engineer, how to follow uh, laws and ASICs and what is the code of, and the ASICs that we need to follow. We demonstrate several cases uh, of uh, breach and uh, how to judge it, how to defend it, how to uh, avoid it, actually. And uh, we give them a lot of uh, behavioral practice uh, and situation. So over these two courses in their first year, they learn how to move from being so casual about the profession into uh, a little bit toward professional engineer. Uh, we have ASICs, we have a little bit of how to create the situation in, 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 in a good manner, in a good phase. 
uh, how to support employer, how to support employee. We teach them that they are the safeguard for the community. Mm. They have responsibility. They have some liability to, to, to show that uh, they learn and they can identify good practice. They can avoid the bad practice. And also they can report uh, the incident to save the society. Public welfare and public uh, health is paramount uh, for our profession. Oh, fantastic. That's really good to hear. I'm just glad to know that. I think that's that's everything I had to ask you, Imad, today. Is there anything else you want to share with us before I let you go? Well, I really want people to come and, and talk to us. I hope that I can create a bridge from the high school, starting grade, uh, say, 10, 11, 12, to show them that how software engineer is a profession for them. Most of the high school students is under the impression that let's, let's take the the easy bus, let's graduate, uh, and, and after graduation we'll learn. Actually, this is not going to work because simply you need to learn, uh, you need to have a good foundation. And software engineering give you the foundation that you can build on top of that. This thing is missing out there. And, uh, and I need everybody help to communicate the message to people in the high school, to principals, to parents, uh, to promote software engineering in the, in, in the society itself. Once uh, we, we, we did that, we should be able to have more engineers, software engineers, and fill the gap and become uh, this nation our country, Canada, needs a lot on, on, on this dimension. And I hope one day I, uh, I, I can contribute much to, to software engineering as a profession and also as an educator at the university level. It's very inspiring. You make me want to learn more about software engineering. So that's great. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll include the website and uh, contact email and things in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you for more information. Absolutely. And I'll be happy to answer any questions. Take care. You too. Bye. So that is it for season two, episode 24 of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca. And I'm also on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca. And of course, you can always comment on individual episodes there. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip, one that's for both you and your students. This is actually the exact right moment to take some time to do some reflective practice. I know, I know, I know. You're like, oh my God, Brenna, we have exams this week. Like, are you kidding me with your reflective practice right now? I know. But oftentimes by the time the dust has settled on the semester, the kinds of things that you probably should be reflecting back on, particularly when it comes to remembering the strengths from your semester, those can kind of fade away, especially if your brain is like mine and you tend to catastrophize. It's a great idea now, sometime this week, in a one of the brief lulls that you have between exams and stacks of marking, to try to reflect on what went well in each of your courses this semester so that you have a list of things to really hang on to. We can tend to, when we revitalize our courses term over term, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, particularly in a term where I know a lot of us have felt a tremendous amount of anxiety and uncertainty about how things have gone. So I really encourage you to take some time to do some reflection now. And I also encourage you, if there's space, and I know, I know, I know, it's late in the term for me to raise this, but can you add 
a reflective question to your final exam for your students, even just an open-ended question that asks them something like, is there something you studied or learned for this course that I didn't ask you on this exam? That can be really empowering. It can also help you see where your students are prioritizing learning material, but also just asking them to reflect on their learning, even for bonus points. It can be really helpful to remind students that the journey isn't just about the grade they get at the end of the term, but about the process and everything they've learned along the way. Wow, that was cheesy even for me. All right, folks, I'm going to call it there. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Best of luck and happy marking. My heart is with you all. Take care. Bye-bye.